You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Nick said, I usually operate behind the scenes, and that's kind of where I like to be. But it is a pleasure to be able to share with you guys this morning. Um, It is so great to be part of this Calvary family. You guys have no idea how much I appreciate you all being here and becoming like family to my family. So at the beginning of May, We kicked off the series going through the book of 1 John, chapter by chapter. And in the first week, Pastor Nick, he started off talking about shadow puppets and gave us flashlights, if you remember that. And he went through some rules of shadow puppeting that also apply to our Christian walk. Things like the quality of your light source is key, with Jesus, of course, being the best light source that also gives us life. And how close you are to that light source also matters. So just knowing God or knowing facts about God isn't the same as having a close relationship with Jesus. And then little things make a big difference. Walking in the light, following after Jesus can make a big difference in simple little steps. And he ended that message encouraging us all to take time with Jesus that week. And the next week on Mother's Day, we were so blessed to hear Pastor Sharon go through the second chapter of 1 John. And she emphasized how God's love for us is always there. It's a constant love that we can't make it more or less by our actions. And she went into how our obedience to Jesus shows our love for him, not his love for us, but to live a life like Jesus, and all we do is what God commands of us, and that the life obedient to God is the most fulfilling life a human could ever live. And you know, your obedience to God can do things that you wouldn't even imagine. My favorite part of the whole thing was Pastor Sharon had our youth director, Rosemary, come tell her incredible story of how several different people's obedience to what God was asking them to do led her to Calvary and to faith in Jesus Christ. How many of you thought that that story was crazy? Like, crazy? Three random people giving her Bibles at work, a cousin willing to go to church with her, and someone else pointing her to the right church to go to. And it led her to where she is today. And Pastor Sharon ended that message encouraging us to step out in just simple obedience and just see what Jesus would do in our lives. And then the next week, you know, we went through 1 John chapter 3. Surprise. Next chapter, right? And we're speaking about how God loves you with an unfailing love and that how we reflect God the Father to the family of God and how worship is our reflection and reaction to God's love. And by doing that, we give up certain privileges and rights for the betterment of others because we have to both proclaim the gospel and demonstrate it. We can't just preach the gospel, but we have to truly live out the gospel and that love of God in our lives will prompt us to show up for other people. And then, of course, last week, 
We had Pastor Mel in from Indiana, PA, to hear to share with us on the fourth chapter of First John. How many of you enjoyed having him here? He's got a sense of humor, right? And he just encouraged us to love like God. That love that God died for us even when we didn't love him. And that God's love didn't depend on how easy we are to love. And that challenging piece of we are to love everyone regardless of how easy we find them to love. And that everyone we come in contact with is deserving of God's love. So our identity as children of God has to be that primary identity and we're to love others sacrificially and without procrastination. And if we really, really wanna make a difference in this world, we need to learn what it is to love others really, really well. So as I said, I am so incredibly grateful to be part of a church like Calvary, where we get to hear from multiple voices, different personalities, and varying teaching styles about the same gospel of Jesus. And each person can cause us to grow or think differently and to know God more deeply. So if you missed one of those Sundays, you may want to go back and watch them on Facebook or YouTube because they have been so incredibly impactful in my life and they would be on yours as too. So this morning, we're going to talk about what it is to live an overcoming life with God in his kingdom, showing our love for God and others by following his commands. So let's take a moment to read through the whole passage of 1 John 5, 1 through 5, and then we're going to break it down into pieces and see what the word of God can speak into our lives this morning. So starting at verse 1, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Verse 2, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Verse 3, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So starting out at verse 1, the first word, everyone. And isn't that a great word to start out a passage of Scripture on? It doesn't say the special ones or the people with this personality type or the people that have this special skill set. So who in here, raise your hands, is a part of everyone? Okay, if your hand's not up, you've missed the question. So, and even if you're watching online, you can raise your hand in the chat. You are a part of everyone too. And I really like the start of including everyone. You know, I kind of know what it's like to be kind of part of this group and kind of part of that group, but, you know, not really fit in perfectly anywhere. It's just been my life. So everyone is a great start. It includes me. It includes you. It includes everyone in this room, everyone watching online. You know, it includes everyone and everyone you know, everyone you don't know. Also, everyone you like and everyone you don't like. So now that we get it that everyone actually includes everybody, what is the action of this passage? Verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God. And this is where as humans, 
We can't do it on our own. We can't be trustworthy enough. We can't be dependable enough or faithful enough or anything else enough. And the word believes in this passage here, it is our trust in God's trustworthiness, our dependence on God's dependability and our faith in God's faithfulness. So that's our trust in God's trustworthiness, our dependence on God's dependability, and our faith in God's faithfulness. And you know, this isn't an action taken in the past. The language here is continuing present. So this is a day-by-day belief in the character of God, a day-by-day relationship with a God who created you. This isn't a one-time decision that you made or a one-time fix-it-all prayer in the past that you've had really nothing to do with besides claim you're a Christian and move on with your life. No, see, this is a continual present relationship with God, a present trust in God's trustworthiness, a present dependence on God's dependability, and a present faith in God's faithfulness. So verse one again, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You know, we can't separate passages in the Bible from their historical context, and the author, John the Disciple, he wrote this whole letter of 1 John to address multiple major heresy issues that the early church was facing in the first century. See, the gospel came into the world where their culture said there were many, many, many ways of knowing their gods. And the gospel came in and said, simply, Jesus is the only way to know God, capital G, God. And early Christians, they were trying to make the gospel fit in with the Greek view of humanity And it just didn't work. So John was addressing this issue. And this heresy, you know, it was related to Gnosticism. And this Greek Greek philosophy was this belief that both matter and spirit were both eternal. But that, you know, the spirit of a person was good. And the matter was evil or bad. So they had a really hard time separating their cultural belief system from the actuality and manifestation and character of God. So they could not attribute Jesus, his ability to be fully human and fully God. How could God in human form actually be made of human flesh matter with their belief that matter was bad? So they would believe things like, you know, if Jesus took a walk out on the sand on the beach, He wouldn't leave footprints because he couldn't be actually made of human flesh if human flesh was bad and God is good. So like they just couldn't separate this cultural belief they had from the actuality of God creating good. So we see it over and over again in Genesis 1 with the creation account that after the creation of matter, you know, whether it was the actual earth or plants or animals or humans, It says, and God saw that it was good. And good here is the Hebrew word tov. So God labeled everything tov that was conducive to life. And since God is tov, God is good, goodness is reflected in all of his works, including matter and the stuff that we are made of as humans. So isn't it wonderful that God considers what we are made of 
to be tov, or good. So part of John's purpose in writing the entire letter seems in part to combat this heresy and others, and he also expands into other teachings as well to correct the early church and some of the ways they were thinking and acting. But you know, like this heresy thing, it's sometimes we have a similar but opposite struggle um, within our culture. So the Greeks, you know, they struggled with the humanness of Jesus. But, you know, our culture is kind of like, okay, we can get behind the fact that Jesus is human. You know, he's a historical human being. Um, but maybe we struggle with the other part. Uh, to just ascribe to Jesus his full divinity would require this belief that we just talked about, that trust in God's trustworthiness, that dependence on God's dependability, and that faith in God's faithfulness. And this belief of God's full divinity would have to change our lives. We couldn't continue to live as we once had. And you know, sometimes it's really, really hard to undo a teaching that you picked up somewhere along the line and you ingrained it into who you are. So right now, my three-year-old daughter, Jana, she has this concept, and I promise we didn't teach it to her, but she has this concept that anything other than fully clothed, and I do mean long pants and a shirt on, shorts or a skirt or a dress is not good enough. She considers anything less than being covered ankles to shoulders to be naked. (laughs) And we can't convince her otherwise. Um, And we've been working on getting her to wear shorts or shorts under a dress, because it's been getting hot. And some days this goes all right, like today, it went all right, she's dressed up as Rapunzel and her shins are showing. Okay, this is a big deal, okay? And other days, you know, this is a battle, Um, not always a battle worth fighting, but then she melts down and thinks that we dressed her naked. So you can see where this is going, right? So the other day, she was walking with her grandparents on a walk with a dog And I get this text message, because I wasn't there. But they're on the walk with the dog, walking down the street. And there's a man on the other side of the street, taking a walk of his own, minding his own business. And he happened to take this walk without a shirt on. So, of course, my three-year-old daughter finds it super appropriate to yell, he's naked, to the whole street. (laughs) Okay? So... You can see, like, of course, it's funny to us. It's funny, like, they were laughing, I was laughing, because I'm just like, this is hilarious. Um, But her philosophy of clothing not only impacts how she dresses, how she lets us dress her, and how she reacts to us in the moment, but also how she reacts to random strangers walking on the street. She responds very strongly to strangers without a shirt on. And, you know, sometimes it takes a long time and a lot of repetition to change those ingrained philosophies and theologies and teachings. And John, the author, he, in this book, he is taking that time to repeat himself in ways to make clear what nuances he is trying to make with people's misconceptions, to correct their actions, to match correct Christian teachings. And eventually, we'll get through to my daughter as well. It's going to take time. So... Let's read verse one again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the son of, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. 
So this passage has that dual meaning. John and his writings love to tiptoe the line between two parties that had gone to extreme in either direction. And the meaning we just got into to show Jesus is fully human and fully divine being, that he is God as the early Christians that John was writing to already accepted, but that by using this human metaphor of being born, John emphasizes Jesus' humanness to them. And this also tied Jesus to God, where it couldn't be said that, oh, I love God, but not Jesus. Or I love Jesus, but not God the Father. No, see, this, the Christian faith, it intricately links the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one. And there's no accepting of one without the others, because there is only one. So in John 14, 6, we see that Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And you know, that's pretty clear, spoken by Jesus himself, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that Jesus is the only path to relationship with God. So I'm going to make you repeat verse 1 with me again, because we're just going to go over it over and over again until we get it, right? So 1 John 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You know, we heard just in the last two weeks in the sermons on 1 John 3 and 4 that we, are, we as believers, we are children of God. And this passage takes it a step further. If you love God, you love the children of God. If you don't love the children of God, you don't love God. So you can't say that you love God and act like you hate the person that's sitting down the pew from you or the believer on the other side of the globe who doesn't look like you or speak your language but loves the same God as you. You know, that person that's a believer that you don't know in a different culture, they would actually have more in common with you than your friend who you like that doesn't know Jesus personally. And the amazing thing about the kingdom of God is that it doesn't have any physical worldly boundaries, so all are welcome. So let's move on to verse two. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. So pretty simple. What are the commands that God has given us? You know, we see the summary of God's commands in Luke 10, 27. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So John's application here shows us that a really big part how we love God is loving others really, really well. And you might ask, like, how do we do that? You know, a good place to start is that little voice when you hear God speaking to you and something just kind of prompts you saying, oh, maybe I should do that for them. Well, maybe you should. Like, or, oh, if I were in that scenario, this is what I would want someone to do for me. Maybe that's what I do for them. It's pretty simple. So just showing up 
and doing for others what we would want people to show up and do for us. It would be how we would love others really, really well. And then in John, 1 John, chapter 5, verse 3. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. So now that the situations that John was writing to in the early church, they're not that different than the situations that we deal with in the church today. There were those in the early church who took the stance that, you know, there is nothing that humans can do to earn their salvation, so God saved specific people, and there was nothing that they were to do in return. And then you had on the opposite side here that there were those who believed that the good works that they did were a form of repayment for their salvation. And, you know, neither had it quite right. (laughs) So God does save all people, and there's nothing that we can do to earn salvation, period. However, those who are saved and living in the kingdom of God and they're living an overcoming life, they keep God's commands because they love God and God loves them. You know, eternal life, it's not, it's not this ticket that is handed to you that you just carry around, you stick it in your pocket, and you just try to keep a hold of it until the day you die. Like, it's not that. Uh, eternal life has observable characteristics that other people can see. The goal of Christianity is not simply heaven when we die, but it is relationship with God now. And this relationship now with God creates this Christ-likeness in us uh, that draws other people to God as well. So therefore, loving God and having his presence in our everyday lives is not a burden And his presence in our lives also makes it not burdensome to obey his commands to love others. So verse four, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So first, Jesus has overcome the world, and since we live in Jesus we have also overcome the world. That's the nice thing, you know, inheriting those characteristics is great. So, but this doesn't exempt us from hardship as it didn't exempt Jesus from hardship either. But it means that our identity of being in Christ, being in the kingdom of God is more than the world can ever offer. And you know, the world, it is human society functioning apart from God. And not all things in the world that the, or that the world has to offer are bad. And some of them are even beneficial, but none of them are the ultimate good. Let's take, for example, education. I love education. Like, I have set out to be a lifelong learner. If it didn't cost so much, I would probably be in college eternally, okay? But I can tell you something, education itself cannot make you happy. It just doesn't. And what about our government? Is it capable of bringing peace? Well, we can't vote in the kingdom of God into power in our physical government. And regardless of what your political persuasion happens to be, people with high levels of power get corrupted. 
and governments can't solve all the problems of this world. You know, they would have done it already if that was possible. We've only had thousands of empires over thousands of years to try this out. You know, but we can be thankful for the good pieces within our government and do our best to improve on it, but it will never be the ultimate good that Jesus is. And you know, what about medicine? And all the advances that we've made in healthcare and to improve our quality of human lives here and to live longer. You know, it's definitely a good thing, but chasing the longest life possible isn't exactly fulfilling either. And you look at some of the stories in the early Old Testament, and you're like, hmm, do I really think I want to live like a thousand years in this human body? I just don't think it would go so well. I feel like I'm falling apart already, so like I don't need another like 950 years to add to it. So, uh, but it's just, uh, all these things can be good, but as the goal, they turn out to be pretty dark and empty. And to the author John, the world was anything that made people feel like they were secure, happy, and independent away from God. And all these things aren't bad, but as the center of our lives, they're pretty empty. Verse 4, again. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And you know, I love this statement. And I love how John thinks. He has this little statement at the end, even our, our faith. And you might be thinking, like, well, what's that got to do with this? And I was, I was reading, I was like, well, yeah, what does this have to do with this? Like, why did you tag that on the end there? Well, there were those in the early church who would have thought, I have the knowledge of God, and I know the doctrine of faith, and this knowledge and all this head knowledge I have about God is good enough. Because they just knew about God. They had studied and learned a lot. But it's not. You know, even some of us here today, we have a lot of head knowledge about God and other things, but it doesn't automatically correlate to living in the kingdom of God. You know, living in the kingdom of God, it is welcoming that person of Jesus into our lives, believing those truths about Jesus, and living our life out like the life of Jesus. And it's not just one of these options, it's all of them together. We have overcome this world with victory because of Jesus' victory, our new relationship with God, and the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And then 1 John 5, verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one place where John doesn't do this both-and thing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, Jesus is the Son of God who lived a perfect life, died for our sins, rose again to life just to save all of humankind, or this is literally the craziest thing you've ever heard, okay? So Jesus is either completely life-changing 
or he is the biggest liar of all time, to have millions or billions of people following him thousands of years after his death and resurrection. And there's no middle ground for a wishy-washy faith. Jesus either is who he said he was, or he's a liar. And, you know, you can't choose that middle ground option of a good teacher who had good teachings with the words that he spoke. He said he was the son of God. So he either is the son of God, incarnate God, in human form, or he would not be someone trusted or to be followed. We'd say he's crazy, right? So this is where our faith has to get serious because the same goes for you. You are either in the kingdom of God, overcoming the world, learning God's truths, trusting in God's trustworthiness, depending on God's dependability, having faith in God's faithfulness, following God's commands, or you're not. And this is a cycle over and over and over and over again. Those who love God, they overcome the world and live in his kingdom. Those who live in God's kingdom, they obey his commands. Those who obey God's commands love others. Those who love others show their love for God. Those who love God overcome the world and live in his kingdom. And this is the all-in cycle that God designed for our lives to be lived in his kingdom. So if you're here today and you just, you're sitting here listening and you just want to know Jesus more, you want to know the God that created you and sent Jesus to die for you, and the God that wants to have a relationship with you, even here today. And you know, today is the, it's time to take those first steps of just trusting in God's trustworthiness, depending on God's dependability, and having faith in his faithfulness. So if you're new to all of this, you know, this week I would just ask, just ask God to make himself known to you this week. Take time in prayer. Just ask him to show his love for you and to see how he shows up, because I promise he will. And if that is you, we'd also love to connect with you. So there's a blue card in the pew. Just mark it off and drop it at the Connection Center, because we want to we want to lead you into a relationship with Jesus. So if you're not new to all of this, though, and you're sitting here listening today and you realize, hey, maybe, maybe I'm not fully living in God's kingdom because maybe, maybe I'm not really obeying God's commands or aren't really loving others well. Maybe I'm not showing God that I love him well. Or maybe you've been in here so long that your relationship with God has turned into head knowledge and stopped being a relationship somewhere along the way. Today is also your day to step back into trusting God's trustworthiness, depending on God's dependability, and having faith in his faithfulness. I want you to take time this week just to Ask God. Just ask him where you might be falling out of his kingdom living. Maybe it's turned in that knowledge or maybe you're not loving well. I just want you to ask God and see 
where he prompts you to grow, and then do it. You'll, some, you'll hear that like voice and say, oh, maybe this is where I've missed the mark. And when you hear that, I want you to implement it and actually do where you, and fix that piece where you've missed that mark. I wanna take a moment to pray with everyone and then the worship team is gonna lead us into closing worship. So let's just pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for my life that you gave me. I thank you that you found me so incredibly precious that you came to earth to die for me, to wash away my sins and to redeem me. Help me to trust in your trustworthiness depend on your dependability and have faith in your faithfulness to me. I wanna live in present relationship with you in your kingdom. I wanna obey your commands and love others well. And I want to know you and love you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.